Hi everyone, my name is Ling Nguyen. I'm a former journalist in Vietnam. Um, and uh, joining me today is... Hi, I'm Gregory Polin with the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. Uh, very glad to have a chance to speak to you today, Greg. Um, one burning question, everyone been wondering. Uh, we see the quartz meeting, uh, we see all curse uh, over the past uh, week or two weeks. Uh, can you like, share your thought? What does that mean for ASEAN, Asian area? Sure, thanks, Lynn. I, so I think that um, a lot of things been stilled about the quad submarine deal, at least, and we'll see over the long term what this cooperation on emerging and strategic tech in the defense space means. But clearly the UK, Australia, and the US now are linked together for the long term in their competition with, with China. The thing that's frustrating me is that the international press has you see these headlines about the Indo-Pacific in uproar over uh, AUKUS, but the only part of the Indo-Pacific they talk to seems to be China uh, or or France. And in the exactly. region, right? And in the region itself, you know, opinions have been very mixed, just as they have been to the Quad uh, before this. And so you had Philippine Foreign Secretary and Defense Secretary is extremely positive. The Singaporean uh, Prime Minister very positive. Uh, Indonesia seems to be kind of um, anxious, not sure where it stands, but the Indonesian media has been all over the place on both sides of this issue. It's really only been Malaysia in Southeast Asia that seems overtly negative. And even that, I'm not sure how deep that goes beyond uh, Prime Minister Ismail and, and Defense Minister Hishamuddin. I'd be curious, uh, is, Vietnam's been a bit um, oblique on this. The, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs issued a statement, but it didn't really say much. How do you think Vietnam is likely to really look at AUKUS and the Quad more broadly? Uh, you're right. As usual, uh, Vietnam Ministry of Foreign Affairs issues a very bland uh, statement. Uh, I have to say that the, the AUKUS was kind of like a surprise for Vietnam government, so it's like we shouldn't expect much from them. But in general, from talking to people in the government, I, I get a sense that they feel like uh, the AUKUS like uh, states the importance of the Indo-Pacific area, uh, and Vietnam's like part of that, a, an important partner in that. So Vietnam realized the opportunities, and but just wondering how uh, it can play uh, and get the most from that. Uh, read the quad. Um, my sense is that the government is not very enthusiastic in joining the quads are so like talking about it. Main reason is because of the um, pressure from China. But uh, I mean, it's, it's quite early now. And also, especially Vietnam government is like busy with dealing with the COVID. So things might change. Right. I, I think that what Washington is often missing on the quad discussion is that most of the region isn't necessarily opposed to the quad. They're curious, I think. But they need to see that the Quad's going to deliver value, right? So if, if the Quad can actually follow through with its pledge to deliver a billion, a billion vaccine doses uh, to the region by 2022, if something real comes out of the Strategic Technologies Working Group and especially the Infrastructure Working Group, then there's value in states um, engaging more with the Quad or Quad-centered mechanisms. But for now, there's really no value add to states putting their neck out to irritate Beijing for an organization that hasn't done anything besides a couple of leaders meetings. Exactly. I, I absolutely agree. I feel like we have like 
too many alliances at the moment. Like every couple of weeks, we see a new name acronyms. But what does that mean? What actual like value added is actually add to to the group? Uh, so we feel like the international alliance now focus more on quantities than quality. I think it does make sense that we're seeing a proliferation of acronyms and organizations in the region, kind of coalitions of of the willing, um, these these webs of interest-based organizations, because ASEAN has clearly shown that it's incapable of dealing with politically sensitive issues or anything really that touches on, on China, and other states aren't going to sit on their hands. But if we're going to build interest-based coalitions, then we have to stop looking at every country in the region and trying to tally up what their imaginary vote is on each of these. Because on a lot of them, countries are just ambivalent for the time being, or they're waiting to see what comes of it. Exactly. And yeah, the vaccine you mentioned is one of a very important point at the moment we can see. And also don't forget that uh, military alliance also come with like economic benefits as well. So what's exactly economic value that those alliances can add to those countries like ASEAN countries, for example. Yeah, and the one thing that I, I'm always cynically hopeful about is that as we saw with the Trump administration's introduction of, of its Indo-Pacific strategy, the anxieties uh, within ASEAN about other organizations stealing center stage and undermining ASEAN centrality, that can be a, a positive force within ASEAN. It forces ASEAN to do things that wouldn't otherwise as we saw with the creation of the ASEAN Indo-Pacific uh, strategy. All right. So I feel like you're very hopeful for something like meaningful going to happen with ASEAN. I I'm afraid I'm not very optimistic, to be honest. I have to be hopeful, but I think that's <laughs> it for our time, Lynn. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. Take care.